Thanks for joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians. In this letter, we get a thorough view of God's cosmic plan of reconciliation and reunification in Jesus Christ. Its truths are vital to the Christian's understanding of personhood and the church. Cornerstone exists to declare and demonstrate Christ in all of life so as to make people complete in Him. Good morning. Let's turn to Ephesians 6 together. And we thank God for His abundant grace in Jesus Christ and also through the ministry of His Holy Spirit working in His people. Uh I, I, I was praying this morning just thinking about the fact, it's not lost on me that I make my living um, by your grace and giving and putting this aside to preach the word and lead our congregation. And that is a good grace, both to me and my family, but also to your other brothers and sisters. Um, the rest of the world may not be able to do something like that, and we thank God for the freedoms and abilities to do something like this, and it's not lost to me. I praise God for that. Before I read our text today, I, I just want to say how much we miss those who are not with us right now. Um, those of you that are on live stream this morning, good morning. You are missed, you are thought about, you are longed for, and you are prayed for. So good morning, we love you, and look forward to the day you'll be back with us. We know this is hard, we understand it's difficult, but we know that our God is faithful. We know that in the midst of what's going on now, we're not promised heaven on earth, but we are promised heaven, and we look for this grace. Our text today will be in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. We'll just be in these three verses today, uh, but I want to start us off by reading the whole paragraph. So if you can follow along, we're going to be in verse 10 through 20. I'll, pray, I'll, I'll read it together, and then we'll pray, and then we'll begin. So, <laughs> excuse me. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. This is God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Our Lord, you are a life-giving God. Help us to call on you, even now in prayer this morning. Help us to trust you. Our minds are ignorant, our thoughts wandering, our affections are so earthly, and our hearts, Lord, for honest, are unbelieving. Only you can help us. We look to you. This morning, we approach you as both our Father and our friend, our portion forever, our, our true joy our strength and weakness. 
We do not always experience these things as we ought, but Lord, your word promises that they're true for those who are found in Christ. So, by faith, we claim Jesus as our Savior and King this morning, our only righteousness and our blessed hope. Rejoice in you, God. As we travel these short years on earth, we, we ask that you would help us as pilgrims to use these times this morning as, as we preach the word, that you'd prepare us for a life of usefulness here and holiness for eternity. We look to you to satisfy us with yourself today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night, around 7 o'clock, maybe 7.30, uh, we're cleaning up the kitchen after a delicious meal that Kristen made for us as a family. And we're kind of getting ready in the midst of the, the bedtime routine. Everyone get ready for bed. Um, and if you've ever been to my house for this routine, you know I say three things over and over and over again. Go potty, brush your teeth, and get changed. I know some of you are nodding your head because you've heard it over and over. Go potty, brush teeth, get changed. And then I kind of mix it up sometimes, like get changed, go potty, brush your teeth. And like, almost like a poor man's rap. I'm not saying it's good, I'm just saying I say it over and over so like there's culpability. They know what they're supposed to do. So this is happening, things are going on fine. There's some dawdling in the house, but some people are kind of sweeping a few things up. A few things are getting into people's rooms and tidied up. And a few people are finally making it to the bathroom to kind of get ready for the night and get things going. Um, as we all do this, I, I'm finishing up washing a few dishes, and Kristen is playing the piano for all of us as we do this. And all of a sudden, we hear a crash come out of the kid's bathroom. It's like, like I mean like a crash, like, oh man, something is broken. Like I've heard something like this before. And usually whenever I hear something like this, it's not good. And so we get here, Chris and I kind of look over and we hear all the pitter-patter of all the feet and all the kids go over to see what happened. And after like the, the like surprised yelps and like, oh, and all this kind of stuff, we hear them say, Hudson, wh why is the, um, the, the, the toothbrush holder smashed inside the toilet? Yeah, right? My experience too. I, I look back at Chris and I'm like, is this really what's happening? And we go over there, and Chris and I proceed to investigate, and sure enough, find two travel size, um, you know, uh, floss containers, and two toothbrushes, and the pieces shattered of a glass uh, toothbrush holder jar inside an unflushed toilet. Yeah, I can't make this stuff up. This has really happened. Like, I wouldn't even thought that's how you could destroy a toothbrush holder. But this is what happened to us last night. I'm in the midst of this, right? In the midst of the chaos and the excitement and all this stuff going on. And I'm thinking to myself, I've studied a verse this week that helps me here. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Oh, Lord, help me. And I'd like to tell you that, that was my first response, was to look up and pray in that moment and ask God for help and strength in the midst of my trials and tribulations of my children. But I must admit, I looked up and said, Lord, Thank you for providing such good opening sermon illustrations. <laughs> we've all been here, right? We, we've all had times where we didn't know what to say, we didn't know what to do, and literally sometimes comes out, the only thing we can do is like, oh Lord, please help me. I don't know what to do about this situation. As we look at uh, Ephesians 6 this morning, we're going to see an opportunity where Paul is talking to us and reminding us that we shouldn't only be praying when, you know, toothbrush holders smash inside the toilet, but at all times, continually, as a way of life, as a way of breathing, as we do this to God. This morning we're going to talk about prayer. 
We learned that Paul was going to encourage us in this way, but as we get there, I want to kind of get us a footing again in Ephesians 6. How do we get to this point? Last week, we finished up the fifth and sixth pieces of the armor of God. But Paul really isn't finished with the paragraph yet. If you notice there, he's continuing on. To understand where we are, let's go back to all the way to verse 10 where we started, all right? In verse 10, Paul called us Christians to be strong in the Lord. And then both in verse 11 and 13, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. Then in verse 14, he finally comes out and says it, the main command, stand, stand therefore. And then he proceeds to tell us how to stand. His main command is stand therefore. And then if you look at verses 14 through 17, he is going to tell us how to stand. He explains for us these preparations that, that help Christians to be prepared to stand firm in this battle. So we ask, how should we stand? Obviously by putting on the armor of God. This is what we covered over the last three weeks. It's very helpful to see as Paul laid out these virtues and also these gifts for us to receive and to find our confidence in God's work and his word. These things act as protections for us that we will be able to stand in the evil day. But he's not done. If you continue on, you realize the paragraph's not over. If we ask the same question again, we're going to get a little bit extra of an answer here. So, so the main command, right, is stand, and then he's going to answer it. How should we stand, Paul? Well, he says, by putting on the armor and by praying. That's what we're seeing today. If you and I are to initially read through this passage, by the time we get to verse 18, we're actually kind of tuckered out. Because Paul has these run-on sentences going over this and over that and over this. And we're kind of tempted to think that he's just tacking on some extra material about prayer here. But that wouldn't be quite right. We need to see this properly. Uh, Paul can kind of go long-winded. We know that. But it's difficult for us to see that when he does so. So I want us to take a time and look through for a moment. I want you to follow me as I lead us to understand what Paul is driving at here. In verse 14, he starts off, Paul starts off with the command to stand therefore. But then he fills out the six different pieces of armor of God. For the first four, if you remember we talked about this, the first four all were set off by these participles, keeping them all in line and parallel under the main command of to stand. Then he lists those two under the imperative verb. Remember that? We talked about that before as well. He talked about this and showed us that the gifts of God help us find confidence in the midst of spiritual battle. But in verse 18, he doesn't give us a new command. In verse 18, you can see he doesn't start something new, but he also doesn't continue talking about the armor of God. He doesn't tell us to take up like some other piece that we're supposed to. Instead, get this, he uses another set of participles. In other words, he is continuing a line of thought that started all the way back in verse 14. But it's distinct from the armor of God. It's not just another piece here. In other words, Paul did something like this. Back in verse 14, he gave us the main command, stand therefore. Then explaining how to do it, he said, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, etc., etc. But then when we get to verse 18, he doesn't tell us to put anything on. Instead, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. And then he goes on to explain this even more from here. In other words, he told us to stand firm by putting on the armor of God and by praying. Now, how are we to stand firm against the evil one? Those are the two answers to that. As we see from this text, he's saying, put on the armor of God, all these specific things, and by prayer. And so this is really the subject of today's message. Our, our title here for this, if I could kind of put it in words, if you're taking notes, praying for other saints 
is vital to Christians standing against the schemes of the devil. I'll say that again. Praying for other saints is vital to Christians being able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Paul is saying that to stand firm, we must pray for one another, to actually look outside of ourselves and plead God's ear that he would help other Christians. I think it's both a help for the ones who are praying and, of course, the ones who are being prayed for. And it really shouldn't surprise us, right, that Paul brings us back to being concerned about the whole body and concerning themselves about how to protect against the devil. As we said when we first started our introduction to this armor of God, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. No one's meant to be just Jesus and them. Look around you. Other believers who know and love Jesus Christ. You and I were called to be part of the body of Christ. Now, this doesn't mean, as we talked about before also, that we just lean on somebody else when we're not strong. No. We saw him start this whole thing out. He says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. All of our confidence, all of our hope, all of our strength is found in God alone. But in chapter 4, he made it pretty clear. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. But then he says this, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul is showing us then that praying for one another is absolutely vital if the church is going to stand against the schemes of the devil. And on a quick side note, um, Paul doesn't only call us to this action, he exemplifies it. Not only in all of his prayers throughout so many of his epistles, he already showed us twice in this book. He showed us in chapter 1, verses 16 through 23. He prays that God would give them, if you remember, the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. Then in chapter 3, he breaks out in prayer again in verses 14 through 21, where he prays that God would grant them to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being. In other words, Paul prays for these brothers and sisters consistently. He does so for the whole church. But at this point, he turns back to us and says, you also should pray for your brothers and sisters. This isn't just an apostolic calling to pray for one another. You too must pray for one another as we stand against the devil. So, here we go. In the act of standing firm that he's called us to, as we do so, we take up the armor for our lives and we ask him to help our brothers and sisters. In a sense, it's really that simple where we look to God to do what only God can do on behalf of one another. As I look at you, I pray for you. because I, I can't change you, but God can. I can't relieve you of your struggle, of your hurt or pain, but God can. I cannot save your children, but God can. This is the power that we find in knowing God and praying to him in the Spirit. Now, I, could, I could do an entire sermon series, obviously, on prayer, but I'm going to limit my teaching today just to Paul's exhortation here in chapter, six, in chapter 6. So, prayer, the way that Paul talks about it here, is made to be to God, of course, by Christians. We understand that, and he really assumes that. But they are to do it this way, at all times, in the Spirit, with perseverance and watchful expectation, for all the saints and for Paul in his evangelism. That's kind of going to be our structure here today. You're going to see it as we work through it. I'll just say it again. These categories are the ones we need to think about. As Paul's explaining it here, Christian prayer is made to be at all times, in the Spirit, with perseverance and watchful expectation, 
for all the saints and for Paul in his evangelism of the mystery of the gospel. So let's go ahead and start in verse 18. I want to look at this together. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, I'm actually not going to start in the first words because they're not the first words in the Greek New Testament. The first words that we see here are actually with all prayer and supplication. It's almost like this little heading. He starts us off this way. Let me give you kind of like a, a rough translation. He says in the beginning of verse 18, with all prayer and supplication, praying at all times in the Spirit, and toward that end, keeping alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He front loads this little idea, and it's quite on purpose, actually. He's trying to show us already where he's going with this. Because what he's doing is the whole thing is actually about prayer and supplication. Plus, he's going to do more. He's going to actually repeat these two words again and flesh them out in this exact verse here. So I want you to listen again. See if you can pick this out. You're going to hear the word prayer and praying two times, and you're going to hear the word supplication two times in this, word, in this verse as well. In one verse. Here we go. With all prayer and supplication, praying in all times in the Spirit, and toward that end, keeping alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Paul is, is stacking up these words so we don't miss the point. This is not just another thing that we just need to remember and just gets tacked on to the end. In this section, he's not trying to differentiate also between these two words as though prayer and supplication are vastly different. He's trying to add emphasis to his point. He doubles it up so that we hear the words again and again and we realize we're almost like, okay, Paul, we get it. You're asking us and calling us and telling us that prayer is really important. And this idea of prayer and supplication isn't some sort of secret code that we talk to God in. That's not what's going on here. If you think about this, it's talking about praying, requesting, supplicating, petitioning, asking God for things that only God can supply. No, no giant secret here. He's calling us to prayer. He's making sure that we know how important this praying is. But there's another really interesting thing that points to Paul's strong, over-the-top emphasis on prayer that I want to just point you to. Did you notice all the times in this one verse that he uses the word all? Take a look, or at least listen. Read verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Do you get the scope that he's looking at? The importance he's saying, like, this is all-encompassing. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. This is not a coincidence. He's trying to help us understand. He's communicating the incredible need for Christians to pray. He shows us that in every area, we need Christians to pray and to know God in this way all the time, with all kinds of praying, in total perseverance or all perseverance for all the saints. And if I just think about this, I mean, this is a staggering command that we would be called to do this right here. I mean, personally, I'm totally overwhelmed when I think about having to pray this way. I like to just see mountains of defeat and failure in my life, right? Like, because this is all-encompassing. He's making the point pretty clear Prayer is an all-encompassing lifestyle. It should be a thoroughgoing aspect in the life of every Christian. One author puts it this way. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to live without breathing. Uh, that's pretty intense. But I do think it's right. I think it gets at the heart of what it means to be in communion with God regularly. 
It helps us understand the importance of prayer for the Christian and as we fight for and with one another, for one another's good, to know God, to stand firm in these things. So with this in the context, Paul says, praying at all times. Now, what does he mean then by all times? Uh, I mean, it might be that we think it's really simple, but does that mean that every second of every day of every week is filled with nothing but Christians praying right now? Are you praying right now? Right? right? Like, is that what he means? Are you praying now? Like, is that what he's talking about nonstop? Or is he saying then that every time we sleep, every time that we eat, every time that we focus on our work, every time we do anything except for prayer that we're in disobedience of some, in some way? Is that what he's saying here? I, I think you can probably guess that the answer is no. That's not what he's saying. Paul isn't talking about seconds and days and hours and weeks. When he uses this word times, he's actually talking about occasions. He's talking about opportunities. He's talking about, in a sense, segments of our life. Paul is saying that yours and my prayers should never be relegated to our prayer closet and to our corporate worship gatherings only. They certainly better be there. You better be spending time alone with God praying. We better be doing this together as, as, as a, a corporate body worshiping and praying to our Lord. But the rest of the times, or the rest of the occasions, are not off limits for us to pray. Rather, we're told to pray in them, praying at all different occasions, all different times. There should be definitely these things that are in our in, in regular rhythms, but it's to be in all times. Think for a minute. In happiness and celebration, pray. In sadness and disappointment, pray. In confusion and doubt, pray. During the task of Saturday morning chores, pray. Uh, at work with unbelievers, pray. Enjoying leisure time with family and friends or doing the things that you enjoy, pray. None of these things are off limits. All these times and occasions are for us as Christians to commune with God. Standing in line at the DMV, definitely pray. When you think about another brother or sister, pray. When the mundane and everything just keeps continuing on and on and on, pray. There, do you get the point? At all times, there's not a time that we're exempt from praying to God. David even says over and over again that in the night watches, in the midst of the night, he prays and pours out his heart to God. There are no times that are off limit for us as Christians that say somehow we're like exempt from praying in those times. But rather, he says, fill these and enter them praying and communicating to God. There shouldn't be any occasion or any time that is a non-praying time. Prayer is to be unceasing. It's to be a normal part of every Christian's life. It should be then like breathing. It should be what carries us from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, praying at all times. So let me ask you then, here we go, application. Is this how you think about prayer? Or I'll ask the harder question, is this how you pray? Again, like I said, I have a mountain of failure both behind me and in front of me, I believe. I just want to just stop us for a moment and be honest about this and, 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 and come clean about your own prayer life and then remember the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. We are not saved based on the amount of prayer that we have done. Rather, we're shown that it is a good and gracious gift and Paul calls us or invites us to pray at all times. So brothers and sisters, don't walk away today as this being a moralistic message. Like, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to make sure I pray more. 
oh man, Chris just really nailed us on prayer today. No, 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 no. He calls us to praying for one another as we love him. Remember, this is all based in what we're seeing here in the armor of God, trusting him, following him, getting our strength from him. This isn't like the one aspect that we pick up and we're going to really do. No, I'm just calling us to understand the life-giving power of God as he calls us to pray and talk to him. Both for ourselves, sure, but specifically here in this passage, we watch it for others as we help and aid in this vital practice of defending against the evil one from his schemes and problems. So I want us to think these things through and really understand that we ought to not think about this way and sometimes just constantly be upset about it and like defensive, but rather realize that this is a lifeline to knowing the grace of God. So I'll ask you these things and I'll, I'll just encourage you for two things. One, if you don't spend this time already, we have 24 hours a day, that's a lot of time. I'd encourage you to take 10 or 15 minutes that is devoted only to God in prayer truly spending the time in prayer. I think if most of us are just honest, it's hard to set aside even that amount of time to talk to God about others, to know him personally, to commune with him and call on him and, and petition him for one another. Start with something like this. 10, 15 minutes that you'd set aside where you would pray for others. But then in this passage, again, we're shown that there's not a time that's exempt somehow that we don't have to pray and know our God and pray for one another. And so for every occasion, I'd encourage us to regularly make a habit of praying as if it is breathing in our life in God, praying at all times. So we've covered this first part, but then look, continue on here. What is actually happening here? What's, what's going on? Is, is this some kind of routine that, you know, kind of puts us in a healthier mindset, this idea of praying? If I just set aside 10, 15 minutes, because guess what? The world tells people to do this too. Set aside this time. Relax. Be mindful. Do these things and you'll feel better and you'll have mental health. That's not what we're talking about here. So what are we talking about? Take a look. Look at the next phrase. He says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, I want to ask you, is there an aspect of type of prayer that really ought to blow us away? We're talking about the capital S, Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit of God. Something like deeply spiritual is happening in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thinking that this type of praying is actually guided by and made effective by the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, that's what's happening here. It's unbelievable that God is in action in what's going on with us right here. His Holy Spirit is active. Paul is telling us that a Christian who is praying properly is praying in the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean that it's somehow mystical magic that enraptures us in a state that we're totally out of control and we don't know what's going on. That, that, that's not what we're talking about at all. This isn't some different tier of praying. It's not like you have your prayers that you just say to God, and that's good. But then I'm telling you, once in a while, you need to pray in the Spirit. That's a different type of prayer. No, that's not what's going on here at all. He is calling us as Christians to realize what our prayers, when we pray rightly before Him, are guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It's astounding what he's saying here. Uh, what does he mean then, then uh, by prayer in the Spirit? Well, this, this phrase, pray in, in the Spirit, is not new to us. If you've been following us along in Ephesians, we've actually covered it several times. There's three times that it says this verbatim, and pneumati, is the, I didn't just speak Klingon, that's the Greek. This is re repeated three different times exactly in these texts. 
And then there's one more in 2.18 that just adds a little modifier of one, showing us the unity of the Spirit. I'm going to look at, through these verses together. So look back at 2.18, and I want you to see this. I'll start in verse 17 for context. So 2.17, he says, and he became, I'm sorry, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So we're talking about Jews and Gentiles, remember? In verse 18, for through him, that's Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. In one spirit to the Father. Think about the Trinitarian language here that's going on. Think about all these modifiers. Our peace is through Christ to the Father in the Spirit or by the one Spirit. Look a few verses down at verse 22. He says, In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Same exact word here. Same thing going on. You have, you know, again, I read in our text, uh, by the Spirit, but it's the exact same word, in the Spirit. It's a translation, it's right, and it's good. But I'm just letting you know, it's the exact same construction here. Again, we've got this idea that the spiritual makeup of God's people is happening by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to flip over and look at chapter 5, verse 18. He says this, and you remember this one, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, these are the exact same words that he's used all along here. Now, we spent some significant time trying to understand what this phrase meant, if you remember this here, especially in the context of it contrasted against being drunk with wine. If you remember, it was proper to say with the Spirit, that's a good translation, as if the Spirit is the content or the stuff that a Christian is being filled with, but it is actually more important to see this, that the Spirit is the agent the one who is in control, the one who is doing the filling, that we are not under our old master, but rather under the lordship of Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what we're seeing. The one is in control. He's the one responsible for filling of God's people. And each of these different verses I've just said are really important as we consider this phrase in chapter 6, verse 18. Praying in the Spirit is a wonderful, glorious reality for the believer. By God's grace, when Christians pray, we are prompted by the Holy Spirit. I would even say that we are guided along by the Holy Spirit. I would even say, most importantly, that Christians' prayers are made effective by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Paul says that Christians are to pray in the Spirit, he's actually explaining what's really going on when we pray. I think he's describing, in very short words here, what he describes more fully in Romans 8. So if you want to see this yourself or just listen, I don't care. Romans 8, 26 and 27. I'm going to read the verses. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit helps, I'm sorry, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I mean, this is awesome stuff. What's happening is we have this glorious hope that although you and I are not mature and we do not know the will of God, and sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray for, we know some things, but we don't know everything that God is going to do. And we want to pray in the will of God, but sometimes we don't exactly know how. But we know, as he tells us here, that the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. It's a wonderful thing. He intercedes for us to the Father in such a way that these prayers are in line with the will of God. 
Like, do you ever feel frustrated, maybe it's just me, that you're not exactly sure in a certain situation about which way it's supposed to go? It's not as though one way is godly and one way is not godly. It, we're just not sure what to do. Maybe someone that you know is going through something and they're almost like a crossroads and they're praying for wisdom and they don't know what to do. There's great encouragement here. Pray your heart out for them. Ask God to work, knowing that in our weakness and not knowing the will of God, that the Spirit intercedes for us and prays according to the will of God. In our weakness, He helps us. Praise God. I would encourage you to pray the prayers that we see in the Bible. So this is just a, this is one for free. There are so many good prayers for us to see in the scriptures. You and I should be praying these regularly. They teach us the types of things that we should be praying. However, that being said, when we aren't sure and we don't know, we get more specific about specific things we're praying about, we can have confidence that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to the Father according to his will. So there, we've seen now that we're supposed to pray at all times and then in the Spirit, but consider the next thing. He says, with perseverance and it's watchful expectation. Look at the second half of verse 18 there. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, let me briefly comment on the way that it's translated here. And I know I've been doing this a lot. I'm making a big deal, but it's important for us to understand the structure. This is not actually a new imperative verb or a new command. It's actually, guess what, another participle. That means it again is showing us more and helping us understand how to stand, how to stand firm. But this one's specifically connected to what he just said. Because you see that little section that says, to that end. He's helping us see that these things are supposed to be connected. This is great because it's really connected with praying at all times. Paul is telling us that believers who are committed to the goal of praying at all times in the Spirit must be keeping alert with all perseverance. That's what he's telling us. This is how we do this. The idea here is something that we read this morning in our text. I don't know if you caught that. Looking for the glorious appearing of Christ. Not sleepy. Not lulled to sleep by the rhetoric and the different things in our world that seem as though Christ isn't coming again. Not really sure if he is. No, no, no. Watch and pray. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about spiritual awakeness, a certain hope that looks for Christ to return. He's telling us that we should have a watchful expectation, that we should not be lulled to sleep again by the things that the world tells us as though Christ isn't coming back. No. Remember what I have told you. I will come again. He's saying, persevere. I know you don't see Christ coming back yet. That's okay. He promised that he would do it, and he surely will do it. So look for his coming and pray. Watch and pray. You probably remember those words. I think it's just so telling that in Matthew 26, Jesus tells his disciples to watch and pray. Why? So that they will not enter into temptation. Now, specifically there, we know they're, yes, certainly talk about the physical, but I would, I would definitely argue that he is actually setting up and hinting at something far more important, that as he leaves, they will be looking and watching and praying and waiting for his return not lulled to sleep by the long, patient waiting for Christ to come again and all the different schemes of the devil to lull us to sleep to think, he's not coming again. Live how you want to. It's going to be okay. You don't have to persevere. You don't have to be watchful. It's going to be all right. You do what you want to do. No, he calls to say, be watchful and pray and expect my coming again. Paul is saying, persevere in good works, especially the ones that seem so fruitless. Let's, let's be honest for a minute. 
prayer seems fruitless. What happens when we sit down to pray? Is there anything more ridiculous to humanity than for someone to pray to God, believing foolishly that someone really hears us? I was struggling this this morning, just asking for faith. Like, Lord, I've never heard you. I've never seen you. I've read your word, and you're actively working, but I can't see you or or know you in, in a way that is easy, or like when I pray, I don't hear any response back. How foolish does prayer seem then to the world? Other than maybe like the side benefit of like mental health and relaxation, the world does not believe in Christian praying at all. To expect God to hear us and to continue on an intense, serious prayer, these seasons of prayer, it's very difficult. It takes discipline and hard work for you and I to set aside time to pray, to recognize our and others' needs, to get the ear of God in prayer so that he will answer Paul calls us to persevere in this discipline. He calls us then to breathe regularly and vigorously. He calls us to persevere in regular, watchful prayer. So we have it now praying at all times in the Spirit with perseverance and watchful expectation, but for who? Who should we be praying for? And what? What exactly are we praying for here? Look at verse 18 going into 19. He says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Who are we to pray for? The answer is pretty simple. And it's a lot like actually how we treat it all times. Follow me here. There are no Christians that are off limits for your prayers. Um, There are no Christians that we should not pray for. We are to pray for all Christians, anyone who would trust Christ. There isn't a group of Christians that we don't really have to pray for. We're exempt somehow from praying. We should be praying for all of them. And by the way, that doesn't mean, dear Lord, I pray for all the Christians in the whole world ever. Amen. That's not what any of the scriptures tell us. That's not what we're talking about here. That's a lazy way of praying. That's like actually not very much care for their souls. That's not the way Paul prays for us. That's not the way the others pray for other people. We are to pray specifically, lovingly, caring about one another. This is one of the reasons we ask for prayer requests. We know what brothers and sisters are going through so that we would pray that God would work in these situations, building them up in their most holy faith. This is what we pray for because we want each and every one of them to be more like Christ. Don't allow yourself this lazy wording at all in your prayers. And in case... uh, And in this case, I think it's right then for us to assume that what Paul is praying for is to stand firm, is all that we've talked about already in the book. I mean, there are so many different things to pray for, but he doesn't even tell us in this first section what to pray for. So I'd assume at least what we could do is go back to the commands that we saw in chapter 4, chapter 5, and now chapter 6 and say, you can pray for any and all of those guys. Let's just start there. So I'll ask you, when was the last time you prayed for one of your brothers and sisters to renew their minds in the truth. Do you pray that God would make different members of our church ready with the gospel of peace? Do you pray for one another that each of you would take up the shield of faith, that you would be strengthened in God? Do you pray that husbands would bring up their children the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Do you pray that wives would godly, in a godly way, submit to their husbands? 
Do you pray that your fellow members would do honest work with their hands so that they could share with anyone in need? You see what I'm doing here? I'm just going through all the stuff that he's already told us to do. But guys, we need God's work in us that we would act godly, Christ-like. The most important prayer that you can pray for someone is not for their physical safety, please. I appreciate that too. But we have an eternity to live for, not for the next few moments, not for the next few days or weeks, in tiny, tiny, tiny speck of time. We're talking about someone's life for eternity. These are the right things that Paul over and over again prays for consistently. That's not to say that physical safety isn't something we should pray for. Obviously, those are good things and successes. But he shows us over and over again the most important things that we pray for are these things that make us more Christ-like in him. So guys, if you want to pray for someone, start by praying Paul's words. Start in these chapters. Or go back to chapter 1, 16 through 23. Pray that prayer for people. Or chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Pray these prayers for one another. There's a treasury of good stuff to pray, so let us pray for one another and for all the saints. But as you're reading, you know that Paul doesn't only tell us to pray for all the saints, but also for himself. Verse 19 and 20, And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is very, uh, this is very Paul-esque. He does this in other places as well. As he closes out the letter, he is asking that Christians would pray for his ministry of speaking the word to those that are unbelievers. As he is commissioned as they are to make disciples. As he is set aside to do this work, he asks that they would specifically pray for him. He prays that God would give him clarity and freedom and boldness to explain and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. This is not Paul asking that we pray that God would give Paul new revelation. That's not what he's asking for. And Paul, I'll, I'll correct another thought in my own thinking. This is not Paul asking that they would pray that if he's not well prepared, that all of a sudden he'd be well prepared and a, and a, and a word would be given to him and he, can, and he can say it now. That's not what he's asking for here. That's not at all what he asks for. When he says this, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, He is talking about what he needs to be able to explain the mystery of the gospel, knowing that it was graciously given to him. Remember back in chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, Paul told us that God had graciously given this ministry of making known the mystery of the gospel. And he knows if it was a gracious gift to him, it will take a gracious gift for that to go out and be made known properly and well. Paul understands the gravity of such a message. Paul knows that he can certainly mess it up by his own sinfulness. He asks that saints would pray for him as he boldly and was able to freely and clearly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, we might not be praying for Paul today, but the request is still pertinent. This is where it gets awkward, right? Are you praying for me? I'm really serious. I'm dead serious. Are you praying for me in the midst of my proclaiming the gospel message? Are you praying for other pastors around our city as they proclaim the gospel message, the mystery that now Jews and Gentiles can know God and be reconciled through faith in Jesus Christ? Are you praying for Jared Kessner, Rafin and Amon and, and, and Jonathan Farmer as they proclaim Christ to the Riyamalayu and others that we know 
Are you proclaiming, are you praying that God would work in them, that they'd have boldness and clarity and be able to speak freely this message? Around our world right now, there may be some ambassadors for Christ who are in chains. Uh, This morning, I am not. That that doesn't change anything. In fact, Paul may even be saying here when he talks about chains, he's certainly in chains in Rome. He may even be talking about his slavery to Christ, which I love that imagery. He's saying, I'm an ambassador in chains, chained to Jesus Christ, my Lord, and I will do his will. And thus we understand we are also to pray for the going forth of the gospel, the ministry of the word in evangelists and missionaries and pastors who are trying to proclaim that. That's not to say that's the only thing, but he does make a point that we would pray for that to go forward and it would be effective for the sake of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. We must pray that these men and women would declare boldly the mystery of the gospel as they ought to. So, we now come all the way back to the beginning. Paul has told us to stand. He's told us, and then we ask the question, how should we stand? Again, by putting on the armor of God, and for goodness sake, by praying, by calling on him to work. Praying then for other saints is vital to Christians being able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are to pray then, at all times, in the Spirit, with perseverance and watchful expectation for all the saints, and for those that are set aside to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So brothers and sisters, it's just a simple question. Are you praying? Are you praying as Paul instructs us here to pray at all times in the Spirit, with perseverance for all the saints and for those that are ministering the gospel? May God teach us then to pray as though our lives depended on it. Hear these words. Look to Christ in faith. Walk with him in prayer for the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are weak in prayer. I, I, I feel like a hypocrite when I pray, knowing, Lord, that our words are feeble and sometimes our motivation skewed, our hearts unbelieving. But Lord, there is one who takes these things and Lord intercedes on our behalf. We ask, Lord, also, Lord, that we would not come to you impurely but Lord, repentantly, ready to have you forgive us that you would continually work. Lord, may we be quick to confess our sin and follow you and obey. But as Paul brings up today, Lord, we are to pray for one another. I pray that you would help us do so. We pray for the going forth of the ministry of the gospel. I pray for our brothers across the world this morning who minister. Would you make their words effective? Give them the words that they need to speak freely and boldly. The name of Jesus Christ. We witness it today. We say the truth that Jesus Christ is King. We thank you for your great grace. Help us to know, God, this is not to be done somehow on our own merit or strength. Help us to look to you and find grace that we might pray rightly. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For further sermons and more information on Cornerstone Bible Church, please visit cbcvirginia.com.